Welcome to the Money and Marriage Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Nelson. My mission to empower millennial couples to make money moves that won't just improve your financial health, but strengthen your marriage as well. In this podcast, I share stories, tips, and tricks, both from my experience as a certified financial planner and from my own marriage, to help you and your spouse kick financial anxiety to the curb and use your money to create the lives you love together. Let's get started. So for the first time in three and a half years, we need to talk about student loans here on the podcast. So for, you know, this podcast has gotten a, a pretty good following over the past um, couple of years since I put it out. But, you know, so for a lot of the, the newer listeners here probably don't realize that back when I got started as a financial planner back in 2016 and 2017, um, the thing that I was kind of known for was student loan planning back in the day. Like I, I launched my firm to do financial planning for young people with student loan debt. And then um, as I had some of the experiences I've shared on this podcast in the past and in my book, right, I, I then kind of shifted into doing financial planning for couples. Um, but my my primary technical skill when I first got started was around student loan planning. My first big break, so to speak, um, was getting published on CNBC's website about um, some of the student loan changes that the Trump administration was was proposing. And so I, it, it's an area that I know quite a bit about. I've done a lot of it behind the scenes over the years. I don't talk about it that much up front, um, but it still does form a, a lot of the technical work that I do with my clients. I'm a certified student loan professional. I actually helped um, put together the final exam for that certification. I've taught other financial planners how to do student loan planning. And so you know, I, I've had the skill that has basically been on hold for the past three and a half years while um, interest has been suspended, the um, payments on federal loans have been suspended, of course. And so that's now no longer going to be the case, allegedly, right? I'm still going to believe that when I see it, that they start making student loan payments, but by by all signs indicate that payments are going to need to resume in October of this year. We should be preparing for that at this point. And so all of a sudden we need to deal with that. And what, what I'm finding in the conversations that I'm having is, you know, if you're an engaged or newlywed couple, you may not have needed to deal with student loans with your spouse or your, your fiance before, right? Because they, they've been, uh, with the exception of some of the older federal loans and private student loans, they've been completely on the back burner for most people for the past several years. And so we need to figure out how to handle them. And so I, I'll, I'm going to go through kind of the, 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 the trends that I'm seeing and the things that I think that you, you should be thinking through as you're entering this stage of your life where you're going to need to start making student loan payments again. I will say at the top, though, that um, I am going to be going a lot, a lot, a lot deeper on all of these topics and more, frankly, in a live coaching call that I'm doing um, on Wednesday, September 6th at 9 p.m. Eastern time. Um, if you're interested in attending that, there's no cost to attend live. Um, you can click the link. It should be in the episode description or otherwise it's newlywedfinancialsuccess.com slash student loans. Um, if you follow me on Instagram, I'll be having that link there as well. Um, we're going to be doing a deep, deep dive um, coaching session, kind of going through the details around all, all of this. Um, we'll be doing some Q&A as well. I'm, I, I'm intending to go for about an hour, but frankly, I think that um, it may very well end up going longer depending on how many questions we get. Um, 
I'm offering this as part of the, the, the financial planning membership program that I have or, or group coaching. I've used both terms before. Um, I'm opening up this call live to everybody um, because I know it, it's a timely topic. I know it's something that people are interested in. So if, if you are interested in learning more about student loans, I encourage you to register to attend. Um, the one caveat though is, be, is because it's part of a paid membership program that I have, um, you do need to, like, there's not going to be a replay available for free. If you want to join the program, right, you can, you'll have access to the replay and some of the tools that we talk about. Um, but uh, otherwise, you need to show up live if you want free access to the class. And there'll be an opportunity to, to sign up at a, at, a, at a discounted price when you when you register for the class as well, if you are interested in having the replay and um, going forward with that. So with all that being said, though, what do you, as somebody who is presumably engaged or married and presumably interested in student loans, if you're listening so far to this episode, what do we need to be aware of here? And the first piece is just changes to the student loan landscape since the last time payments were required on federal loans back in early 2020. And, and frankly, there are a few changes that have happened that you should be aware of, right? If you are pursuing some sort of uh, one of the long-term 20 or 25 year loan forgiveness programs. If you're pursuing public service loan forgiveness, um, you should be reading up on the changes to those programs, some of the adjustments that they're making, frankly, uh, particularly for public service loan forgiveness, they have made uh, some of the provisions that have caught people up in the past a little bit more flexible and they're doing some like payment qualifying recounts. Um, and so if you have had issues with that in the past, First thing I'm going to suggest that you do is go back through your loan history and see if any of those changes are applicable to you. Again, we're going to be going more detail in, in, in that live coaching call about what the changes are and what you should be looking out for. Um, but I want to put it on your radar, at least for now. Um, the other really big change that's happened has to do with the, the income-driven repayment plans, right? So if you have been on a standard 10-year payment plan before and like you're going to be going back to that, right? That's, that's not so relevant to you right now. But, you know, I, I think that the the new, this new income-driven repayment plan they put out, it's called the SAVE plan. You may have seen a little bit about that. Um, frankly, I think that's going to be a game changer for a lot of people, right? I, I've started to see some of the the, the the government like Department of Education type accounts and the, the the White House account put out start to put out some details about this program on social media over the past few weeks as of the, as of the time of this recording and um, they're highlighting kind of some of the really nice benefits to from from that program compared to some of the old ones that they've offered before. Um, there's a little bit more nuance um, around them I think than than they're than they're sharing in those. Um, clips, which makes sense because they're only coming going, giving snippets um, on social media. Um, but frankly, like I think that this new save repayment plan really is a good option for a lot of people. Um, they are, it really does change the, the calculation, I think, in terms of choosing which plan you're going to be a part of. If you were already in the, or you, you were already in the revised pay as you earn plan back in 2019, 2020, when loan, loan payments stopped, um, the, that payment plan is not going to exist anymore, right? You're going to be going into this new save repayment plan, um, which operates, a it's a little bit different actually than the revised pays you earn plan. I think that the changes that they're making are all for the better, um, but just be aware that like, your payment plan is going to change if you're on that revised pays you earn payment plan. 
Um, if you were on pay as you earn, right? Not to get overly complex here in this podcast, but if you were on the old pay as you earn plan, um, you still, good news is you still are on that payment plan. Bad news is if you leave, you can't get back to it. They have actually shut down new registrants into that pay, old pay as you earn payment plan. Instead, they're trying to funnel everybody into this new save repayment plan. There are a few very limited scenarios where it might make sense to stay on the pay as you earn plan. Um, if you're already on it, um, otherwise, frankly, I think that the, 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 the new save plan probably is the better fit for most people, um, who are, who are eligible for it. Um, long story short, right. They are, um, reducing, they're, they're, they're reducing the, the monthly payments that are required under that plan for most borrowers, right. In the form of a, allowing you to report your income separately. If that is something that is of interest to you, you could not do that on the old revised pay as you earn plan, um, but you can do that, that under the new save plan. So if your your income is a lot lower than your spouse's, right, you can lower your payments just by reporting your own income if you file taxes separately. Um, they are reducing the amount of your income that needs to go to the loans, uh, specifically for undergrad loans only. If you have some graduate loans, the, the change may not be as um, drastic as they are advertising, um, but they are also reducing the amount of income that counts toward the calculation that they use to determine how much of your income needs to go to your loans each month or each year. Um, so not, not only are they shrinking the size of the pie that they are taking for, for student loan payments, but they're also reducing the size of the pie itself. Um, so I think you're going to find, like, if you actually do the calculations, most people I'm seeing right now are going to end up saving a bunch on monthly payments by switching to this new payment plan, particularly if most of your loans are from undergrad degrees. Uh, and then probably most importantly, what they're doing is they are, they're no longer letting unpaid interest build up over time on these loans, right? If you... Um, it, it's been a while since I've seen anybody post something like this, but I was seeing it all the time back in 2018, 2019, 2020 on social media. Have you ever seen people tell stories about how they've they borrowed $20,000 in student loans and over the past seven, eight years, they've paid $13,000 and now they owe $32,000, like the balance they always have grown over time, even though they've been making payments. The reason why that was happening is because of unpaid interest uh, building up, right? When if your income was was low enough relative to your loan balance that your your monthly payment wasn't even covering the interest that was due every month, you were still making payments every month, but your loan balance was growing because all that that unpaid interest was there. They're now waiving any unpaid interest on this new save plan, right? It's, it's a really beneficial change um, for people, and I think it's going to solve some of the problems that that has plagued the student loan world over the past decade or two. Um, although it opens up a potential new problem, which we're going to talk about in a second. Um, but that, those are just examples of things you should be paying attention to, right? Changes in the student loan landscape that we want to be looking for, right? Primarily related to all the details of how the income-driven repayment plans work and some of the benefits and drawbacks of, the, um, of this new save plan. Frankly, if you're on an income-driven plan, um, the only scenario where I wouldn't be trying to move to this new save plan is if you are pursuing one of those long-term loan forgiveness programs, the 20 or 25 year loan forgiveness program. I'm, I'm not going into a ton of detail on that in this podcast, because frankly, I don't recommend it to too many people. And the people who are kind of pursuing that usually know what I'm referring to there. 
Um, but there are some drawbacks on the new plan compared to some of the old ones um, related to that longer term plan, right? So like if you're if you really are pursuing that, then this new plan might not make sense. It could still make sense, but it might not. That's something you just want to check. But other than that, um, I think this new plan is going to be pretty beneficial for a lot of people. It um, maintains a lot of the flexibility that some of the better income-driven repayment plans had before. Uh, but frankly, it's just going to cost less over time, both in the form of reduced on monthly payments and the waiving of accrued interest. Um, so that's the first thing you want to look out for, right? It is just understanding how the loan landscape has changed related to those plans and related to some of the, the forgiveness provisions as well, because there are changes there too. Um, the second thing you need to be aware of is you need to pick a strategy for how you want to handle these loans. This is not a change from what things were like a handful of years ago with one caveat, which we'll get to, but you, you want to you want to have a strategy for how you're going to handle these loans, right? And generally, um, I typically advocate for one of two scenarios with student loans, right? A, uh, if you're not pursuing one of the forgiveness programs that are already in existence, I'm not talking about like potential things that are going to roll out to try to replace the one that the Supreme Court struck down, because um, that's all hypothetical at this point. But if you're, if you're not pursuing public service loan forgiveness or, or maybe even one of the longer term loan forgiveness options, um, I typically advocate for paying loans down as fast as possible. Or if you are pursuing one of those forgiveness options or you're in a, like a short term cash crunch, like there, there's short term things that you need to deal with, um, I typically advocate for paying as little as possible in the form of getting on one of those income driven repayment plans and doing some things to maximize the value of those. Um, pay as much as possible or pay as little as possible. Uh, I often find that in the middle usually doesn't make sense for people. Um, it, it does depend a little bit on what your other goals are, but you know, frankly, I've, I've seen a lot of people try to play that middle ground over the past few years while loan payments haven't been required. Um, really common scenario for, for an engaged or newlywed couple is to have two goals, right? To handle the student loans and to buy a house down the road. And um, oftentimes, pre-pandemic, what I was seeing is the couples that I was talking to were inclined to handle the loans first, buy the house second. And once the pandemic hit and once the loan payments went to, to zero, um, the temptation was to, to swap the order of that, right? To buy the house now since we didn't need to deal with the loans and then handle the loans later on down the road. And what I'm seeing for people who made those choices are it's a lot harder to handle the loans once you have the mortgage, once you're dealing with home maintenance. Oftentimes people in that demographic are having kids and paying for childcare or one parent's leaving the workforce to be a stay-at-home parent. And it just, it, it, it gets a lot harder to pay down the loans aggressively um, if we put them toward the back of the priority list, right? They're, they're never easy to deal with, um, but the, the people who I have had, have them, uh, the people who I've seen have the most success with them are the ones who prioritize the student loan pay down pretty aggressively up front and then continue that momentum into saving for the home goal and, and, and whatever whatever else you're, you're working toward. Um, or alternatively, if you are pursuing public service loan forgiveness, like you shouldn't be paying them down aggressively. <laughs> Your goal should be to pay as little as possible on loans to maximize the forgiveness of the loans. You want to make sure you qualify for that program. Again, frankly, like the, going back to my first point about the changes that have been made, like it, it's just a lot easier to do that. Now you should double check to make sure all your loans qualify and that you're doing what you need to do. Um, 
and more more importantly probably is just making sure that you're you're expecting to have a qualifying job for that program for 10 years but you know generally the, the public service loan forgiveness is just a much easier topic to handle in terms of like checking the fine print than it was five years ago which is good um but if you're pursuing that then you should be trying to pay as little as possible right we should be doing things like trying to make your taxable or like your your discretionary income they call it as low as possible in the form of maxing up 401k contributions and doing some other things right to to try to keep your student loan payments as, lo as low as possible because if you do that for 10 years, then the balance is going to be forgiven and you'll have saved for retirement and all that good stuff in, in the interim. Um, those scenarios can look pretty good for people who go down that path. Um, but what I would not do, or what I typically don't advocate for, is something in the middle, right? Making the minimum student loan payments going on a 10-year repayment plan, maybe chipping away at the loans a little bit. I just, I find that the people who go down that road end up regretting it more often than not because they, they they feel stuck for a long period of time the burden isn't getting any easier because they're making pretty slow progress on the loans and it, it often does hold them up from other things as well now the one caveat to the, the i mentioned that there was once um kind of narrow set of circumstances where i'm not pushing people into one or the other camp these days right either paying them down as aggressively as possible or paying them as slow actually has to do with that new save repayment plan. And uh, I'm going to go into much more detail on this in that live coaching call. But um, if you were on that save repayment plan, or if you can be eligible for that save repayment plan, um, but you also want to pay down the loans rather than let them hang around for 20 or 25 years or whatever that count ends up being for the long-term loan forgiveness based on your loans, um, I would not be making extra payments every month. Instead, what I would be doing is making the minimum loan payments uh, each month, but then making big lump sum payments periodically rather than paying aggressively each month. And the reason has to do with that waiving of accrued interest that I had mentioned, right? Because um, let's just say, again, I'm going to ha have a more flesh fleshed out and clear example on that, on that coaching call. If this is of interest to you, I highly recommend you attend if even just for that. Because um, I see I see people making this mistake from a mile away. It hasn't happened yet because the payment plan is not in place, but I just I see it coming, right? Clearly, clearly, clearly. I'm trying to get people to not do, not fall for the trap I'm about to lay out. Um, let's say, just to pick some round numbers, that you have your monthly student loan payment is $500 a month under the new save plan. And let's say that the amount of interest that's due on your loans each month is $1,000 a month. You're paying $500 a month. The interest due each month is $1,000. Um, on the new safe repayment plan, you pay the $500 each month. Your loan balance doesn't change, but that, that, that difference between the amount of interest that's due and what your payment is gets wiped away because they're not letting that build up anymore like they used to. Um, and so if, if you were to be on that plan, and decide to pay a little bit extra each month. Let's say you you decided to pay $400 extra a month. Um, you get no benefit from doing that because you still owe the $1,000 a month of interest. You're paying $900 rather than $500. That's still not enough to cover the the all the interest that's due. So you're not chipping away at the, the balance of the loan. And you're basically throwing away that extra $400 because you don't need to pay it because the interest that's accrued gets waived each month. And you're not actually paying down the loan because you're not covering the interest that's due each month. So rather than do that, 
um, what I would do is I would tell you to, let's just pick some round numbers. Um, I would save up for, like I, I would save that extra $400 for let's say 10 months. So you have $4,000 and make a big $4,000 payment on the loan. Now the first little bit of that is still gonna go toward the, the extra interest that's due that month because you need to pay that in order in order to start getting down to the principal. Um, which it would be what I say five hundred dollars is is the the difference between the required payment and the interest that's due. So of that four thousand dollar payment, um, the first five hundred dollars of it is going to go toward the interest that's due that month. But then the whole thirty five hundred dollars, um, ex like additionally goes down to actually paying down the loans directly, right? Whereas if you pay that same amount monthly, you wouldn't be paying down the loans at all. Again, I'm going to have like slides and pictures, and it'll be easier to follow. I think in that format. Um, but that, that, that's the one scenario these days where I'm, I'm not going to recommend you pay off the loans aggressively month after month after month because of that debt interest weight. Um, if you if you were on that particular plan, if you're on the standard 10 year repayment plan, make all the extra payments you want, pay them off as quickly as possible. You'll save an interest in doing so. Um, but if you're if you're on that save repayment plan and you're in and your payment is not enough to cover the interest that's due each month. Um, you shouldn't be making the extra payments on a monthly basis. Instead, I'd just save it up and make one or two big payments a year or a, a, as you're able to. Um, you'll you'll find that you'll you'll move a little bit faster when you do that. And that is an example. I'm gonna have a calculator that you can use for to, to calculate that and to see that. Um, that's an example of something that's available to people in this membership program that you'd have access to that I'm not gonna open up for people who attend the live call, although you're gonna understand what you need to understand so you could do it on your own. Um, that's that's the goal here. Again, it's it's newlywed financial success slash student loans. If you're interested in attending that, we'll, we'll go into that a lot more. Um, so that's the second thing, right? <laughs> um, to get back out of the weeds here. First takeaway here is understand the changes in the student loan landscape and how they affect your loans. Second piece is picking a repayment strategy. Again, generally I advocate for as aggressively as possible or as little as possible toward the student loans each month, depending on what your goals are with them with the one exception of if you're on that new saver payment plan, um, even if you want to pay on the loans aggressively, like I'd be, I'd be doing periodic lump sum payments rather than paying them off aggressively every month because um, you'll save an interest in the process. Um, the final piece that, uh, that we're going to go into on that call and that I'll, I'll just tee up for you now here is understanding and coming up with a strategy to handle the student loans, not in the spreadsheets, but in your relationship, right? Because like I said at the top, for many, many engaged in Hollywood couples, this is the first time they need to handle student loans together. Um, you might've been married for three years at this point and never had to deal with your student loans together before, and that might be changing. And student loans are a really tricky topic. I see it all the time, right? Or I, I saw it all the time back in the days when payments were required um, in terms of the impact that it can have not on the balance sheet, but but just in terms of the way you manage money as a team, right? It, particularly in cases where one spouse, whether it's you or your partner, um, has some, like a lot of student loan debt and the other doesn't have very much, um, it can be really, really tricky to understand how the student loans are going to affect your financial picture as a family, regardless of whether you actually handle them together or not because they're going to affect you one way or the other, regardless of who actually is making the payments and um, whether you're filing taxes separately and whether you're 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 treating them as our debt or just one person's debt. Like it, it, it's going to affect both of you no matter what. Uh, and handling um, 
feelings of guilt or resentment or, or anything in between related to that, right? It, it's really, really important to not just dismiss that um, and not just dive into the spreadsheet. So the spreadsheets are important too for all the reasons we've talked about up until this point in this episode. Um, it, it's important not just to pick the right student loan repayment strategy to optimize the, 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 the dollars and cents involved, but also to make sure that you're picking the right strategy for you and your spouse based on um, both like who has the loans and how you feel about them, right? To make sure that we're setting these loans up to be something that you're able to handle and not have it weigh one or both of you down. Because um, it, it can, if we're not careful, um, and it's important to not do that. So I'm going to stop rambling here. Uh, this has been a little bit more in the weeds in terms of numbers and stuff than I usually do in these episodes, but I think I thought I think it was important to, to talk through here. Uh, I hope that you found it helpful. Um, if you do want more information about all of this, I highly encourage you to attend that class on September 6th, 9 p.m. Eastern time. We're going to go as long as we need to, to answer everybody's questions, um, free for anybody who attends live. Again, it's newlywedfinancialsuccess.com slash student loans. Uh, if you want to register for that, hope to see you there. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of the Money and Marriage Podcast. If you want to learn more, you can access my favorite money exercise for free if you head to paysetterplanning.com slash money and marriage. Again, that's paysetterplanning.com slash money and marriage. Get your access today and I'll see you next time.